Unwinding Loons, Caulk Like Coffee, and the 100-Word Story. It's all part of Kwame and & Company. And we've got a little celebration in the podcast control room today because this is Kwame & Company podcast number 010. Woo-hoo-hoo. 10. <laughs> we made it to 10. <laughs> Woohoo! Yeah. I don't. I don't have like little things to blow and go. That's. What I was thinking though about those things you <laughs> like, pull and the confetti pops, pops out of the tube. Yeah, I don't got any of those either. No, we'd have to clean it up ourselves. So don't do that. <laughs> All right, podcast number ten, and it's. Uh, I'm Phil. Amy's here. Randy's in the newsroom. Apparently working on something important. I don't know. Evidently, don't know. that's now, all right. I got the mic up, so we'll see if he may no. he may pop in at any time. Okay. All right. So coming up on this podcast, uh, Museum of the Bible Part Two, with uh, Charlotte Clay, and Amy gets to ask her questions about what to do at the Museum of the Bible. Right. Yes. Right. Coming up, along with uh, Sat Seven, the director of Sat Seven, uh, the fishing dog, sunscreen. And ageism, which is the next thing. Jerry, my friend Jerry, you know, he <laughs> he usually writes about stuff like uh, don't use your cell phone too much or talk to real people instead of imaginary friends, that kind of thing. But uh, here... <laughs> what? Sorry. Your imaginary friends. Well, you know, the friends online are pretty much imaginary. Yeah. They're just sort of... I mean, kind of. But, yeah. I mean, they are real people. Most of the time, anyway. Most of the time. Hope. You never know, though. It, so, oh, okay. This time, Jerry is talking about facing doubts and and uh, ageism. Ageism. Okay. Jerry says Diana Nyad tried to swim the shark-infested water between Havana and Key West several times when she was younger, but she couldn't make it. That's like ninety miles, isn't it? The Havana be- and Key. Well, I mean, like that. You're talking Cuba, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> isn't Cuba ninety miles offshore? I don't know. That's a long way. While you're reading, I'll I'll Google. (laughs) There are other people that have done that. You know, that's a thing. Kind of like swimming the English Channel, but maybe warmer, I guess. But the sharks, there's not not as many sharks on the English Channel, I don't think. I don't know. So anyway, Diana had tried this before, and she, she couldn't get it, but she didn't give up, and she tried it later in life and succeeded when she was 64 years old. Ooh, wow. Does it say how long it is? Yeah, it's super helpful because I don't know kilometers. Oh, it's kilometers. How <laughs> yeah, many so kilometers? 170 is it? kilometers. Okay, so you know that's probably 100 miles then. Kilometers to miles. <laughs> you keep working on that. 105. So, oh, 105 miles. Okay. 105 miles. So Diana is now <laughs> 73, and she recalls when she completed that endurance swim, 105 miles. She shouted, "Never give up." I would too. I wouldn't have the breath to shout. I'd I'd probably sink. But uh, ageism, according to uh, Jerry, ageism seems to be the one form of discrimination that we tolerate. But uh, this isn't just the story of an outstanding older athlete. It's also about young people who are also often dismissed because of their age. And then Jerry says, I I see this all the time in the college classroom because he's a professor. When my students who are smarter than ever and ready to succeed must face the doubts of others because of their relative youth. Sure. It goes both ways. Well, I owned gas stations in my 20s. Wow. Relative young. Yes. Relatively young. And I 
I'm a woman. Yeah. <laughs> like I was going to say. So you know, ageism like, and sexism st- going sta- on there. Stating the obvious here. But I was, I mean, I owned a roofing company before that. I'm trying to think. I think I was like 20, 22 to 28, and yeah. I had several gas stations. Cool. But every time somebody would come in and need to speak to somebody else, almost all of my employees were yeah. older than I was. Yeah. They say, so, is the boss here? Or they'd start talking to your they'd, employer? They'd start talking. And they're, they'd be right next to me, and they'd just start talking to my employee. Yeah. And I'm like, you might want to talk to me because, yeah. and they like look at me like. But you need the big me. red button that says owner or I, manager I'm, or I'm something. I'm the boss. Boss. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Evidently, yeah. I should have worn something like that. Something like that. Well, Jerry says, uh, uh, Nyad, that's uh, Diana, Nyad, the English or the mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> the swimmer. Sure. She does a thousand burpees a day now, and she's 73 now. You know what a burpee I'm, is? I might be able to do five. You bet? I know exactly That's a hard, what a bird. You squat down, then you don't. You don't have to do it. Oh, she's doing it, and then you push your feet all the way back, and then you jump back up. Yeah, like five. I might get through five, and then my back will start hurting. One was good. She says it takes her I'm over already out two, of breath. I two hours. For, <laughs> two hours, a thousand burpees, and but she do, makes time for it every day of the week. Can you imagine? Spending two hours doing that, I would be bored out of my skull, first well, you, of all. You'd have to have the Kwame and Company podcast in your in oh, your ears. You, then I'd have my it. things falling out all the the earbuds falling out. Oh, constantly. You'd need the full coverage uh For you sure. know, vice grip uh headsets. I'm literally out of breath after one. I think I better start doing <laughs> okay. more of those. All right. Well, Jerry said and here's Jerry's final statement. Okay. Uh, proving once again that the best way to overcome ageism at any age is accomplishment. Mm-hmm. I guess that's right. I think so too. And that's what you know. Paul was said to Timothy, "Don't let them despise you because of your youth." As a pastor, uh, same thing goes. So, thank you, Jerry. I think that was well worth it. All right, this is Kwame and Company podcast number ten, and here we go back to the Museum of the Bible. <laughs> You're listening to 91.5 and 102.7 The Word. I'm Amy. I'm here with Charlotte Clay from Museum of the Bible. Now, when I was reading through kind of the information, it says there is a rooftop biblical garden. What is a biblical garden? Oh, that is a great question. So it's a biblical garden because the beautiful plants and flowers that are surrounding you when you're sitting and eating lunch on that um, terrace, they're from the Bible. They're plants that were mentioned in the Bible. So so it's really kind of neat to do that. You know, you're, one of the goals of the museum was just to fully bring the Bible to life and add, add that to your experience. So, you know, you'll be able to maybe eat some biblical-inspired food if you get the hummus and pita, right? Some Middle Eastern. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Be- any dates. I don't like dates. Okay, okay. okay. But, I, you know, some people do, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm a mom of kids. Yeah. I still have a couple at home and I have grandkids. So whenever we plan a trip, I always think, okay, when is the best time to go that it's going to be the least busy and, like... So the time of year and like the best days to visit so that it's like people aren't annoyed by my family. Oh, yeah. Uh, um, okay. So when would that time be? Yes, 
absolutely. So, I mean, I'd say really winter probably, you know, if you're avoiding spring break and you're avoiding summer vacations, then you're going to be you're going to be able to have a lot more space. And especially Tuesdays and Wednesdays, those tend to be the lightest. So, if you want to avoid crowds, I would do middle of the week. But I do want to point out, because the museum is so large, that we are always able to accommodate guests, even what, I mean, so you're not going to ever be waiting and waiting and waiting or knocking people over trying to see a painting or a piece of, you know, an artifact. Sure. And I, I saw that you have, like, special exhibits that happen. So how often are the special exhibits changed? So if you go every six months, like, is it going to be something different, or do you change them more often? Yes. Um, I would say we're constantly rotating artifacts. So even if the exhibit doesn't change, there's going to be something new for you to see probably every couple of months at the mu- at the museum. And probably you can count on every six months there being a new, ex- a totally new exhibit to see. But otherwise, even in the permanent galleries, not everything in the collection is on display. They're rotating it so that there's something fresh and some new displays. Maybe it wasn't as huge as an exhibit, but there'll be a new display. Now, I know you said try to have a full day to see everything. Now, what if I have a layover in D.C. and I have two hours? What are, like, the top three things I should see when I'm in the museum? Okay. It really depends. Would you be someone who's more of the history buff or more of the I'm not a museum person, I don't want to look, right? Okay, well, my husband's the history buff, and I'm more of, like, experience. Okay, okay, so you guys have to split up. (laughs) Split up and meet up afterwards. So for you... I would say you've got to go to the Hebrew Bible experience. It takes you through the the entire Old Testament in a way that you're, um, it, it's, you know, you see the burning bush, you walk through the Red Sea, oh, cool. you know, people, people tear up and, you know, it's, it's powerfully done. And then I would do the ride for you as well. Make sure you did Washington Revelations and it helps set the context for um, if you do have time to visit other museums in D.C. to sure. see all those connections to the Bible. And it's really fun. And then probably I would say go see scripture and science because it's temporary and I wouldn't want you to miss it. That would be your two hours. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay. And top artifacts, top three artifacts. Okay. Okay. Top three artifacts. There's an incredible, uh, what's called the Washington Pentateuch, uh, Pentateuch, and it is um, the Torah, Mm -hmm. and it's a codex, and it's extremely rare, um, one of the oldest um, Jewish Bibles in existence, so it's incredibly special that the museum has it. It's it's certainly irreplaceable. Okay, another one I really like is the Book of Hours, a beautiful illuminated manuscript that belonged to Elizabeth de Boone, um, part of the English royal family and the the guild and the beautiful gilding and beautiful um, coloring of this book is just incredible. Um, I, that's a medieval a medieval illuminated manuscript. Um, hmm, another, I, I say I really really like. Um, Oh, it's so, I, hard. so much. There's I'm so sure hard. I'm like, I'm like, I, I'm sorry to, I, I'm sorry to narrow, narrow yeah, yeah, it down yeah, yeah, to yeah, three. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Probably I would go for one of the Psalm fragments and the, they're just incredible to, to see how old they are that then, and to really feel the history where you can, you, you can be connected and know that, um, oh, that, which leads me to some other favorite artifacts, but <laughs> there's pieces of stone at the museum that say Herod or that say King David, oh, right? Wow. Where you're, you're, these people really walked the uh-huh. earth 
and there it is in 3D, this, you know, incredibly, incredibly powerful piece of stone that still exists from Herod's temple or, so it's hard for me to choose, but those would be a few you'd have to check out. That would be all on, um, at History Floor and Up. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Well, thank you so much, Charlotte. I, you know, I wanted to visit the Museum of the Bible already, so now I really, really want to go there. So how can we get in touch to find out more information on visiting? Visit museumofthebible.org. There you can get tickets. There you can find links for all the things you need. To, um, there's plenty of hotels nearby, lots and lots of things to do, plenty of parking. So please do that. But I would also encourage you, go to Museum of the Bible's Instagram if you're on that, because we're right now we're running a giveaway to, for tickets to The Horse and His Boy, C.S. Lewis's <laughs> show, which we're opening at the museum June 23rd through August. So that's another really fun activity for the whole family. And you can win tickets there right now. Very cool. Thank you so much, Charlotte. Thank you. Bottom of the column news, our panel of experts, and the Swirl Master 2000, all part of Kwame and Company on 91.5 and 102.7 The Word. Okay, now I, I think this next little segment is sort of a uh, public service because it's summertime and well, really it could be any time of the year. Uh, people, I didn't know this, uh, the deal about sunscreen. You know, like, like it used to be people would, uh, well, like you talked about this when we were on the air discussing this. Uh, you put uh, baby oil on and bake in the sun to get a golden tan and mm-hmm. you basically just burn. I mean, that was the only way I'd get tan because... Baby oil is nothing. But I don't tan, so getting a burn... You don't tan? You're not, tan now. I mean, that's a fake. I mean, I mean, I go to a tanning bed to get tan. Oh, oh. Otherwise, it takes me forever oh. to get tan in the sun. Well, that's good. Uh, probably, but t- when you're a junior higher, you don't want to look pasty. Oh, yeah. So then it, my burns turn into tan. <laughs> I don't so know I, that that's probably not good. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was that was why we did it. Yeah. Put baby oil well, baby on. Oil, you burn a little oil? bit. It doesn't. Okay. It doesn't protect anything. Doesn't no. make you burn quicker. I have no idea. I think uh, that, that was, was probably thing, though, a myth. It's sort of like uh, uh, deep fat fires is the way I think of it. <laughs> <laughs> but Everybody smells crispy. Yeah. So anyway, uh, uh, sunscreens work by filtering out the sun's ultraviolet rays to keep them from reaching skin cells and causing DNA damage. It's DNA damage. I didn't realize that. That can lead to wrinkles and skin cancer. But now they're worried that in recent years, safety of some of these filtering ingredients, especially oxybenzone, has been called into question. There's a study they had in the JAMA, which is a Journal of American, American Medical Association. Yeah, something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> something that like that. Oxybenzone is absorbed into the bloodstream. And then, so now they're worried about it for uh, affecting hormone production, puberty, fertility, and thyroid function. Also, it's been detected in breast milk, and that's not good. You don't want to, unless maybe your babies would never get a sunburn then. I don't think I, that's how it works. Probably though. doesn't work that way. American Academy of Pediatrics advises against sunscreen with oxybenzone for kids and or nursing mothers. So, yeah. Anyway, so be aware of that. Uh, New York dermatologist, uh, president of the Skin Cancer Foundation, says 
just because you're absorbing chemicals doesn't mean it's dangerous. More research is needed. See, they're fighting for it because they don't want people to get skin cancer. Let them right, get other but, diseases. But they have, because uh, I know my daughter uses it. It's yeah. just we're not familiar with it in the middle of the country because we don't have oceans. Oh, we don't. But no, that's right. There, there is <laughs> there is sunscreen that um, is safe for the mineral sunscreen. Right. So my, I know my daughter left one behind yeah. when she went back and I said, oh, I found your sunscreen. She goes, I was wondering what happened to that. Yeah. So it was in our, in our bag for the beach. So she has that. And this is basically it's like coral safe paint on your body because like it a paste. Blocks. It's like, it's, it doesn't rub in, you know, mm-hmm. like the other stuff is pretty much transparent when you rub it on. Yeah. Hers rubbed in a little bit. Okay. So I'm not sure what it's mixed with, but well, Dr. Sarnoff, who's uh, the guy that brought this whole thing up, uh, he says uh, mineral sunscreen contained physical barriers like zinc oxide and titanium dioxide, which doesn't sound all that healthy either, but I'd make decisions based on what the mineral sounds like, so don't don't count on me for any scientific knowledge on this. All right. So anyway, sunscreen, this is, uh, uh, number 10, the podcast number 10. We're going to find out about sat seven. 91.5 and 102.7. The word, this is Kwame and company. And it's our privilege to, to be talking about evangelism in a really a powder keg region with sat seven. And Rita L. Munier is, uh, was that Eddie? She's nodding. It's El Munier. Oh, El Rita is the CEO of Sat7, and thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. We've heard the story about how Sat7 started, and and the, the taking the opportunity to get into these homes where you know I don't know how Christian media would enter many of these homes before when satellite television uh, came into the region. Well, literature. So okay. a lot of people, if they can read and write, yeah. they can have like some magazines, some pamphlets, you know, like some books. But we're talking about a region that 60% of uh, the population don't read and write. Yeah. It's a literate region. So satellite television or television like soap operas and dramas, etc., etc., you know, especially if they're Christian, you know, like uh, programs, they play a great role in introducing the love of God to millions of people. And you've really expanded the width of the breadth of what Sat7 does in the last years uh, beyond just... Uh, messages, uh, you, you're into stories and kids programming and even educational programming. Yeah, Sat7 is four satellite channels, two in Arabic, one for kids, 24 hours 7, and one for the family in Arabic. And then we have Sat7 pars for Iran, uh, in Farsi, and Tajik and Dari for Afghanistan. And the fourth you know, channel is Sat7 Turk, it's for Turkey. And in 2021, we launched uh, our um, on-demand services. So you can binge watching all the <laughs> programs, you know, like that we produce. And also you can, we streaming on this platform, uh, the whole four channels in HD. How do you uh, hear what the what people are, are enjoying, what they uh, do, do? Can they write to you from countries that would be restrictive in terms of a Christian message? I remember when I started 20, 
eight years ago, we're celebrating our 28th anniversary, the end of this month, okay. we were waiting for letters. So we send letters, we wait like one or two months to get a letter back. Yeah. Today is, is just... Uh, extraordinary because you hear from people on WhatsApp, on Telegram, yeah. on Facebook, on YouTube. I mean, we have around um, three million views on YouTube a month wow. for all the a channels. Month. Yeah. So, I mean, like for 2021 and 2022, we had like 33 million, 34 million views. These are people who, who watch us more than 30 seconds, you yeah. know, like on YouTube. And messages, conversations, we had more than 100,000 conversations a year. A conversation is then we converse many times, we mm -hmm. call it one conversation. Okay. Uh, just, you know, asking all kinds of questions or sending prayer requests. This is how we hear from people. So you're making a difference. Uh, I pray so. Yes. I oh. pray so. Now, uh, we're going to take a little break here in a moment, but uh, how did COVID affect your operations? I know we're a couple of years past that now, but uh, for many ministries, COVID was a real uh, turnaround moment. Well, it made us more uh, agile and, um, and uh, creative. Mm -hmm. It's just... Um, I was, you know, like really afraid in the beginning, so what's going to happen next? Yeah. But uh, the directors of the channels came to me. It was 2 o'clock in the morning. They couldn't sleep. And they said, why don't we bring our studios at home? So we took our equipment. Yeah. You know, like everybody was filming from their living room or bedroom. Our children program from the balconies. From It was really great, you know, to see the agility of the producers around and, re and their creativity. And so many of your listeners, your, your listeners, I'm in radio, so that's what, uh, your viewers were were uh, in their homes as well. Uh, your listener, your viewership must have skyrocketed. Yeah, it was like the, the best year, you know, like re related, relating to numbers. Yeah. So we had a lot of people like sitting at home uh, and um, fear played a big role in connecting with us. So yeah. they were asking all kinds of questions like, is it the end of the world? Yeah. Or does God hate us? Or, or, or did we did something wrong so, you know, to deserve this punishment from God? Yeah. Or, you know, like how can God allow something to happen to people like us with Christian believers, you yeah. know? So we had a lot of pastors and um, people, you know, who can help in, and answer these kind of questions, specialists. Yeah. Uh, so in order to let, you know, like these people who, who's going, who are going into this trauma and fear, you know, to get a professional help. How can our listeners help you do what you do at SAT7? Can, how do we connect for financial support or other, other ways to help? Well, you can visit our website, www.sat7usa.org. Uh, or uh, if you want some adventure, come and visit us. Okay. Visit you where? <laughs> well, you can come to Cyprus. We have our headquarters there and two studios with the Iranian team. You can visit Lebanon. We have a huge studio with the Lebanese team, Egypt. Okay. Huge studio with the Egyptian team, Turkey, Istanbul, and a huge studio with the Turkish team. Wow. Okay, well, we're going to take a little break. We'll be back with Rita to talk more about SAT-7. And you, you've got some information here about uh, evolving crises in the Middle East. We'd like to touch on that. This is Kwame and Company on The Word. I'm Phil Kwame with news for the heart of Minnesota. 
In preparation for the Celebrate MN evangelistic event in St. Cloud, August 11th and 12th, supporters met this week in Whitney Park for a prayer walk to dedicate the space and the events. The group walked and prayed at designated stations in the park where festival events will take place August 11th and 12th. They prayed for Kids Fest activities and for Celebrate Minnesota reaching the next generation. The Celebrate Minnesota team was asked to skip breakfast and instead meditate on Psalm 96, or skip lunch and meditate on Psalm 100. Then break fast at supper as you meditate on Psalm 121. There's still a need for many volunteers. Volunteers are invited to sign up online for one shift or multiple shifts, August 11th and 12th. More details at celebratemn.org slash volunteer. I'm Phil Kwame with News for the Heart of Minnesota. Kwame and Company, focusing on closet vision, comfort food, pirates on the prairie, and Pat's gut. It lifts me up when I'm having a bad day. It energizes me and just helps me get through the day. Thanks. Well, that's nice. Appreciate that. So we got two versions of Kwame and Company. We got the uh, on-air Kwame and Company, which is Monday through Friday, 6 to 9. Lucy, the dog, and I do the weekend Kwame and Company. So there's three Kwame and Companies. Weekend Kwame and Company is Sunday morning from Mm -hmm. 6 to 10. Which I'm on sometimes with you. Sometimes. And uh, Randy's got some news on there. Sure. But usually just me and the dog in the studio. Mostly. Uh, (laughs) And then uh, this thing. This thing. This thing, which is podcast number 10 now. Ooh. Yeah. I don't know how to describe podcasts, except that uh, you can listen to them anytime. Mm-hmm. And that's about all I know. You can find them a lot of different places. Yes. How would you go about finding this thing? Well, oh. since we're talking to people, they already found it, I guess. Yeah. But you could get it on Anywhere our website. The yeah, there's a whole bunch of different places that this goes to. Like yeah. Where I upload it. It goes to like 10 different places where people find podcasts. Yeah. So, so wherever you go for podcasts, just type in Kwame and company, K-V-A-M-M-E. Like I said, like you said, they've already found us, Phil. They're listening. We should probably talk about that. Well, they could be people that just wandered by and it was on. (laughs) I don't think that works that way. Um, I was thinking though, Uh we might want to start like talking about it on the morning show. More on the air. Yeah. Yeah. Because the morning show happens Monday through Friday. 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. You know what we should do? So if you found this, I'll have my podcast you might not know player about that. up and ready to go. Oh, okay. And try to play the podcast on the air. That'll be confusing, won't it? That will be very confusing. Okay, we'll try that. Oh, I mean, sounds, nothing we don't love like, like good... confusion. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay, Bella the Fishing Dog. Now, Bella was a, a shelter dog, uh, and this is a nomination for the Best Pet Pals and Reader's Digest. They got this contest going. Jacqueline Ward nominates Bella the fishing dog. She's a Shih Tzu, and you had Shih Tzus, right? I did. I've had my my kids had one, but then my ex mother in law yeah. she bred Shih Tzus. Well, really? Yes. Oh, so castle we had, of them. We had puppies all the time, which was fantastic when my girls were little. Oh, I bet because they got their puppy fill. We didn't actually have to own a dog, right? They got their puppy fill all the time. And it's good for the dogs to be handled by a variety of people yeah. when they're puppies. And so my daughter had the one dog that her, her grandma ended up keeping mm-hmm. that she named Gizmo. Right. And that thing was that adorable. Yeah. 
but she carried around. I have pictures of her carrying it around, you know, kind of under the the front legs. Crook of one arm. Just like hanging, hanging in front yeah. of her with the little face, like right under her face. And I don't know. She was like three, maybe. Or Did the little like face look like, help me, help me? Or was it, were no, they just pretty relaxed? hanging out, just relaxed. Okay. Oh, that's yeah. good. Not panicked. Oh, good. Melissa was very kind, so. Well, and, uh, Shih Tzus are, they start out really cute. Some of them get a little weird looking later on. Some of them do. Weird looking crooked eyes. Yeah, they're, 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 they have problems snarl. with their eyes. Some every, every once in a while you'll get one with a like, little snaggle tooth that ticks, right. sticks out on one side. Or, or a, a real jaw. overbite or some uh-huh. weird thing. Yeah, Because they got the pug nose and then the big eyes. So if they're walking down the hall and they accidentally run into a door or something, their eyeballs hit it the first thing. Punk. Cat. Ow. <laughs> Be bad. Uh, well, anyway, this Shih Tzu is pretty cute, and I, it doesn't. It looks like her nose was longer than her eyes would be. It, it does. Uh, and this is Bella, the fishing dog. So they they didn't know if Bella would uh, would want to uh, ride on the boat, uh, but uh, so they got her uh, canine life jacket and goggles, and it turns out she loves it. Oh, you got some vital information just came into the podcast studio. <laughs> yes, somebody had wrote. Keep going. Okay. All right. I don't think right. you've talked about the goggles oh. yet. So all have you? Right. We're just get, getting oh. to the goggles. So okay. you get life jacket and goggles. Yes. Somebody wrote us about doggy goggles. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Tammy said, if a dog is wearing goggles, they're called doggles. Doggles. <laughs> well, that's fun. <sighs> yeah. So Bella, the fishing dog with doggles. And she's just, she's like also wondering the kind of the same thing that Randy asked in the morning show. She said, are they... you?" She goes, and why would a dog need goggles? Yeah. Uh, are they used to, they're used to having their head out the window and into the wind. Just something to think about. So. Yeah. Well, uh, well, the, the writer of the story, Jacqueline says they got goggles or well, no doggles to protect her eyes from the wind. Okay. I don't know. Maybe it's think, if she falls in the water. Maybe the spray like, would be more. Yeah. Of a that's problem. what I was thinking. Yeah. Okay. So Bella. When somebody casts a line out, the bait is in the water. She zones in on the tip of the pole and is watching for Which is unusual. Usually, you would think they'd watch for the bobber that went, right. is floating on the right. water. Or, or is looking in the water for whatever they can see. Yeah. But she's watching the pole. And she must have associated a fish on the pole with that jiggly line. Sure. And okay. She noticed that so that she, happened before they caught the fish. She barks when, uh, That's when that awesome happens. Enough. That's a kind of a handy thing then. Yeah. We should talk to Walleye Dan, see if, see if uh, his dog's name Moose. is Moose. Yeah. If, if Moose washes the tip of the line. But anyway, so they get the fish in the boat. Bella's the first to inspect it and once in a while picks it up and gently drops it on command. My dog would have eaten it, but okay. Um, <laughs> and then they they they. They're apparently catch and release, so Bella leans over the edge, stares into the water, tracking the fish until they're long out of sight. She must have polarized doggles so she can see under the water. Into the water. Polarized. Oh, maybe. And maybe that's part of why they use those goggles. Maybe. Put the goggles on her. They are dark. That's right. This, they're like this sunglasses. One. Yeah, this is very dark. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, at home, Bella loves to watch TV, probably those fishing shows on TV. Probably. <laughs> But also dogs on TV, they yell puppies on TV and she runs in and then looks around behind the TV to wonder where the dog is going. My dog does that too. That's hilarious. It's hard to believe this extraordinary dog was returned to the shelter twice. 
But yeah, there's a lot of good dogs in the shelter. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, be- you just never know because you ne- you don't know why they were a, not a good fit. And- right. It could have been they had a mean kid. Who knows? And the- yeah, they're just saving the dog from the right. child. They can't right. get rid of the kid. Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I suppose uh, there are children's shelters too, if you must. No, no, no. I'm gonna, I don't uh, think so. No, no. I don't think so. Bella the fishing dog. Okay. That's awesome. We're going to find out more about Sat 7. 91.5 and 102.7, the word. Uh, we're talking about Sat 7, a, a, a great missions opportunity for uh, some difficult uh, nations to do missionary work in. And, and uh, Rita is with us. Rita, I'm going to try it again. El Monier. That was probably worse. That was probably. Okay, Amy's here, my pronunciation person. Rita El Munier. Okay. We, when we. I was going to get into the. Munier. Oh, I wasn't looking at the page. Okay, Rita El Munier. Okay. I'll say Rita El Munier. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Rita's the CEO of Sat7, and, and we've been talking about uh, Sat7's uh, uh, media outreach into the Middle East and North Africa. Um, now, your, your organization, Sat7, uh, at Nor- uh, National Religious Broadcasters, had five evolving crises in the Middle East this year, including crisis in Iran, Uh, the crisis with girls and women situation in Afghanistan, economic turmoil, and the fallout of war. We as Americans have no idea uh, what it's like to live in any one of these situations where where life could turn on a dime. Yeah, I know. I mean, also, like, we, to be fair with you, we we have no idea what's happening in the U.S. So it's NRB today, like, I hear things here and there, and I have no idea what they're talking about or what you're talking about. So so it's fine. In Minnesota, we mostly talk about fishing. So, you know, that's... I wouldn't expect you to know about Minnesota fishing. Uh, but, well, yeah, Some but... People ask me, oh, you know this, this and this, and uh, I said, like, who is he? Oh, he's a big shot. I said, where? In America. Okay, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't have yeah, no idea. Yeah, no, really, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, but your ministry brings hope to people that are in, in dire need of hope. That's true, yes. I mean, what is making the whole difference is... Um, this ministry is for the people of the Middle East, yeah. by the people of the Middle East. So I'm not sitting in the U.S. or in Europe or I don't know where, Hong Kong, and trying to preach the gospel. I am living in the region. Okay. So when there is war, I know that I'm in the midst of the war. When there is economical crisis, I know that because my family is there, my children is there. When there is, you know, like a problem with education for women, I know that, that because I'm a church in Afghanistan. Yeah. So I think this is what makes all the difference. When I preach the gospel to these people, it's not like I'm sitting in my, you know, like in my place in Hawaii and talking about the turmoil oil of the of right. the Lebanese or the Sudanese or the Afghanis or the Iranian I am an Iranian Christian there I am a Lebanese Christian there living you know like with them and telling them hey understand I know what you're feeling because I feel it too I know what you're going through because yeah. I'm going through it too but there is hope because I'm not alone in this situation we have him with us carrying this load and sometimes our prayers are not answered but we trust and we should trust that he knows better and he loves us 
Well, we've got to commend you for doing that. The, the being within the culture makes all the difference in the that's world, true. and and yet that's not the easy way to do it. No, it's not. But when you love something so much or someone so much, you want to be there for them. Yeah. And it's not just me. It's every single person who is working and serving in Sat7. We love our people, yeah. and we want to make a difference. And we're using all the hardship and the wounds of our past, our childhood, our teenage years, during the war, etc., etc., to make a difference. Yeah, you've got some information here about uh, evolving crises in the Middle East. We'd like to touch on that. This is Kwame and Company on the Word. We'll conclude our Sat Seven inter interview next time on. Kwame and Company podcast number 11. Hard to imagine we're already well into double digits. It is hard to imagine. <laughs> you can listen on the radio too, uh, 6 a.m. on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Sunday. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. See ya. <laughs>